blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. Happy Easter. He's risen. Well, let's try it again. Has he really risen? Let's try that one more time. He is risen. Amen. Amen. I've been praying for this service this week and the weeks prior and was thinking on, on the surface in our history books, this would be no other day. It would just bleed into our history books. It's just a day of liberation, we as Christians would say. We would say this is a day of freedom, amen? And our history would, books would say, well, we've had other days of freedom. If you remember July 4th, 1776, Independence Day, was that not the day that we, America, gained our independence, a day of freedom, that we were in bondage and slavery to uh, our ancestors in England, and we gained our independence. Maybe uh, November 19th, 1863, that was the day that the North and the South, they'd been waging war against each other, the Civil War. And remember, our President Lincoln got up and he presented the Gettysburg Address. The Gettysburg Address was really the, the final uh, day that ended uh, the, the Civil War. Another day of liberation, was it not? Uh, maybe you remember, maybe you were uh, watching the TV, August 28th, 1963. August 19th, uh, August 28th, 1963, was where Martin Luther King Jr. got in front of um, uh, millions of people and he had the I Have a Dream speech. Well, that was a day of liberation for our brothers and sisters, uh, the African-Americans. That He had this dream that uh, white people and black people, men and women, would come and we'd live freely among one another. Maybe you remember, as I remember as a little boy, I remember being in my parents' bedroom on November 9th, in the evening of 1989, where the Berlin Wall came crashing down, where West Germany and Germany finally became unified. Anyone remember that? And that was a day of freedom and liberation, was it not? Or maybe you remember February the 11th, 1990, where Nelson Mandela had been put in prison in South Africa. And he was in prison as an innocent man. And if you remember Nelson Mandela, if you remember watching the show, the TV, he uh, came out of Johannesburg and went all the way to what would be equivalent to our Capitol House, and he had this speech to end apartheid. Again, liberation and freedom. Maybe you remember December 21st, 1991. On TV, our president got on the TV and declared the end of the Cold War. Again, no more threat. No, no more living in fear. And yet there's a day that we come here to celebrate that I believe is more polarizing than any of those. We call it Easter Sunday. But is Easter Sunday not what we come to celebrate this morning? as what the Bible says is a free gift. The speech has already been declared. 
The war has already ended. The king is already reigning sovereign and on the throne. Is he not? Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Yeah. And so we will turn to this passage, a very familiar passage. We'll look at three things quickly this morning about the resurrection. It's in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Jared read that to us this morning. The first one is this. And it has to be true for everyone in the room if you want your independence this morning. It has to be true for you. You will never have your independence from the bondage of sin without the first point this morning. The point is this. The discovery of the, the, the resurrection. Right? If you have to come to the place that you have seen and seen with your eyes and your heart that the resurrection is true. If it's not true, then it's just any other day. There's no such thing as Easter if the resurrection is not true, is it? Which takes us back to Friday. You see, if you believe in Sunday, then you have to believe in Friday, Good Friday. If Friday we came and we celebrated the death of our Savior, I'll get to that in a moment. You see, the death of our Savior is like every other death of every other world religion. But what separates them from us is what? The resurrection. And so we gotta, we gotta rewind all the way to Friday. You, do you know what Friday is about? Friday is about the king of the universe being hung on, on a cross for your sins and my sins. And it was the will of God to do that, for the will of God was to bring you and I freedom through the cross of Jesus Christ. So we have to discover the resurrection. This is what happened to the ladies. The ladies were there, the, the ladies, uh, Mary, the, the two Marys, were there at Good Friday. They were at the foot of the cross when their Savior, when, when their son, Mary's son, was hanging on a cross. And it says this, and when the Sabbath was passed. So they were there on a Friday. And they couldn't do any preparation on the Sabbath. There was no work to be done on the Sabbath. So when Jesus died, the Sabbath started. And the Sabbath was sun up to sundown for 24 hours. So there's no work that these ladies could do. There was no preparation that they could do. So I wonder for them what that Saturday must have been for. The waiting and the anticipation to go to do what they were going to do. They were going to go to the tomb to prepare the body for the burial. For the death. My great fear for us, church, is that we believe in the cross, but we're Christian waiting on Saturday. We don't really believe in the resurrection. You see, the, the resurrection is what gives us power. It's what gives us hope. It's what gives us promise. It's what lets us live. And yet the church lives in Saturday. But the waiting, the ongoing waiting, but yet Sundays already occurred. So these women are on Sunday morning, it says, when the Sabbath has passed. That, that's an amazing three words. That, that, that's both literally true, and now it's historically true. You see, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, the Sabbath has gone away with. The Sabbath was the holy day for Jewish people. And Jesus died 
eliminates the Sabbath. And that's why we come on a Sunday morning to praise and worship God. We don't celebrate our Sabbath any longer. We celebrate Sunday morning. That's why we get up and that's why we come to church on Sunday because of what the resurrection is. The, 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 the Sabbath was a day of preparation. But that preparation is over with on Sunday, the resurrection. So here's these, these ladies on. And they brought spices so that they might anoint him. Verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, this is just one of the things they were saying. Could you imagine that journey that morning? Could, could you imagine? You see, we know the end of the story. We know they're going to get to the tomb. We know the tomb's going to be empty. They did not have that hope and assurance. Do they heard about it? Was Jesus not real clear in his ministry that I will die and I will rise again? Did he not make that real crystal clear to his followers? So why would they even be going to the tomb if they really believed in the resurrection? You see, they hadn't discovered the resurrection. They had heard about it, but they hadn't discovered the resurrection. You see, if they had believed it and they had discovered it, they wouldn't have gone with it. If I were to say to you this morning, hey, tomorrow, this is going to happen, and this is how it's going to happen at this time, would you, and I said, there's no reason for you to go, because that won't even be there. Would you go check it out for yourself? If you already believed in your heart that it would be true, that what I'm saying to you this morning would come true, would you get up and go? No. But yet there was some doubt in the lady, was it not? Because they got up early that morning. And they got up with spices. Which says to us, they got up <coughs> believing in the heart that they'd go find a body to put spices on. And we know this to be true too. They know he had been laid in the tomb because of what their questioning was to one another. <coughs> Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? You see, they had seen... Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body and place it into this tomb. They had seen that this large stone had been rolled over to the tomb to secure the body of Jesus so that the, the robbers would not come and take the body of Jesus. They had seen all that. Yet what did they say to one another? How are we going to get in? How are we going to get in there to even anoint the body? Because they still believed that the body was going to be in there, even though. Jesus said, hey, I'll die on a Friday and I'll rise from the dead on a Sunday. But they believed in their heart that he was still going to be in the tomb. And then it says this. I love those three words in verse 4. And looking up. You see, that, that shows the picture of their posture. A cheerful people always look up. Depressed people what always look down. Disheartened people always look down. And so they're journeying to the tomb disheartened because their Savior had died. They're journeying to the tomb because they still believe that he's still going to be there. So they're discouraged. And it says that they journey and they're talking to one another. They look up. And what do 
did they see when they looked up? When they saw the stone had been rolled back, it was very large. I wonder in that moment if those ladies were talking to themselves and kind of grumbling and complaining about the disciples. You see, the disciples were big men. They, they would have had all 11 of them, maybe most likely, could have rolled the stone away. But if you remember, the disciples were what? They were scattered. They were still in hiding. Who shows up? The women show up, and the men are scattered. That's a whole other message in and of itself. I hope you heard that, then. The ladies are shaking their heads. So they looked up and the stone had been rolled away. From entering the tomb. Could you imagine that moment? Oh man, like the, the, the stone's gone. Now what's going to be inside or what isn't going to be inside? The, the anticipation, the fear that they must be entering the tomb with. They entered the tomb. And what did they see when they entered the tomb? They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in white clothes. Now, from the other gospel accounts, Matthew, John, Luke, and John, we know that this is an angel. And one, one gospel account says there's two angels sitting there in the tomb. I wonder if Mary had that moment, that flashback moment, when that angel appeared to her as a teenage girl. If she had seen an angel before, remember, if you celebrate Christmas, you know an angel appeared to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, I'm going to give you a son. But think about that moment, 33 years later, when her heart had been ripped out and she saw her only son from, from, from the Savior of the universe down the cross. That moment of anguish. I can't imagine as a parent going to the grave of my son. But that moment where Mary's gone, she has that flashback moment like, man, wait, God is with us. God is appearing before us because now there's another angel. There's an angel at his, his birth and now there's an angel at his death. There's got to be something more glorious going on here. And I wonder in that moment, her heart begins to flutter again. If Mary's heart begins to awaken again, if she begins to look up with more confidence and more courage again. We're all alone. I know I would. Going to a, a tomb and an angel sitting in there. I guess I'd be the only one. And the angel said to them, Do not be alone. What? Don't be alone. Like, here you are, like the stone's rolled away, like here's this bright light, this angel sitting there. Don't be alarmed, don't be afraid. And he said to them, You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. But these next three words changed everything. Like you come, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, you come and seek the Savior, the one who was crucified. That means the one who is dead, the one who died. You come to seek him. That's who you come to seek. And he says these three words. He is risen. You see, in that moment, those three words changed everything for 
for those ladies in the tomb, does it not? You see, they came to the tomb hoping to find Jesus so they could prepare his body for his death. But that's their hope. And in that moment, they crawl through the tomb. They look into the tomb. There's an angel sitting to the right in an empty space where Jesus is. The other gospels say it this way. There's just his, his a death clothes wrapped up on the end of the, 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 the bench. That's what they see. You see, in that moment, there, it wasn't their brains that changed. It was their hearts that changed. They had discovered the resurrection. They had discovered the resurrection. You see, if you do not discover the resurrection, these next two points will not matter. So the question that everyone in the room has to answer this morning, have you discovered the resurrection? Is he risen for you? Amen. See, I can answer that question with boldness. He has for me. But what I cannot do this morning is go to every one of you and answer it for you. You must answer it for yourself. And what has to happen, the God of the universe, the way he did in that tomb, must appear to you and say to you in your heart, he has risen. He has to do that. And this is what I know with all boldness and confidence. I am saying that to you this morning. And so you cannot leave here and say, I've never heard and never had an opportunity to discover the resurrection. It's here. The resurrection is true. Discover it for yourself this morning. I want you to think for a moment. When you first discovered the resurrection. Can you remember that moment in your life? Where God revealed himself to you and your heart became awakened. That there was a Savior who died on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he rises from the dead, that gives us hope. That gives us promise. And that gives us eternal life. Amen? Right. Have you discovered that for yourselves this morning? You see, because then what comes after that is the, de the declaration of the resurrection. You see, we're here today because of those women taking their experience of the resurrection, and where do they go? They run and tell other people about it. Does, is that not what it says? He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he, they laid him. And then in verse 7, but go, tell. You see, you, you discover the resurrection and you don't do anything about it, then, then I would say you haven't discovered it. Because what happens? The angel says, hey, you've discovered it now. Go and tell the disciples and be sure to tell Peter. I love that angel Peter. If you remember, just three days prior, Peter is the one that denied him. Peter was his closest friend. Peter, James, and John, you see throughout the Gospels, those are his closest compadres. Man, he loves those three brothers. And he told Peter, on the night that I'm going to die, you will betray me. And he does. When I rose to the crows three times, Peter, you will deny that you ever knew me. I wonder what Peter's Saturday must have been like. Could you imagine the guilt and shame that brother was going through that day? Man. You talk about a punch in the stomach. You know, Peter saw it. It says in 
and, and another of the Gospels that on that third crow that Jesus looked into the eyes of Peter. After the, the third denial, Jesus and Peter's eyes caught with one another. And then they drug Jesus away and beat him and crucified him. And Peter was nowhere to be found. I just imagine him being caught in so much guilt and shame that he could not see his Savior one last time. And yet the angel says, hey, go and tell Peter. Go be very personal, not just with the eleven, but with Peter in particular. Let me tell you. Go proclaim Go declare the resurrection. You see, go and explain that Christ is no longer here. You see, this is the moment that separates us from every other world religion. You see, every other world religion, their Messiah has died, and there is a tomb with, with bones in it. Right? Confucius died in 479 B.C. You can go see his bones. You can go to his tomb. You can walk in there and you can see where he's still lying. And then there's Buddha. He died in 400 BC. He still had his tomb full of bones. Every year, the Muslims go and celebrate, all over the year, celebrate Muhammad. They take a journey. Every Muslim will take a journey to the bones of Muhammad. He died in 632 A.D. You see, every Mormon will go to Utah to see the bones of John Smith, who died in June 27, 1844. Every world religion that we have, their founder has a start date and an end date. Let's see, the beauty is the resurrection shows us there's no end date to our king ruling sovereign and supreme over the universe. Amen. You see, that's what the resurrection says. The resurrection says that Jesus died on the Friday, but he lives on. Amen? Amen. We're here because he lives. Right. We're not here today celebrating his death. We're here today celebrating his what? His resurrection, his life, and his life gives us life. Amen. Turn for a moment to Romans chapter 4. Look the way the Apostle Paul says it in Romans chapter 4, 25. Who is delivered out for our trespasses. That's good Friday. He was delivered up for our trespasses. He was delivered up for our sins. There had to be a penalty paid for our sins. There had to be something for our sins. So Paul is saying, he was delivered up for our sins, our trespasses. But I'm so grateful that the verse doesn't end there. Look where it is. And what? Raised for what? Our justification. That word is so powerful. The word justification simply means this, that you have been made right before a holy God. Amen. We all need justification. You see, without justification, the wrath of God will be poured out on you and me. But it's because of his 
death, absorbing our sins, and then rising from the dead, paid the penalty or justified us before holy God. But see, you must believe in the death of Christ, therefore it leads us into the resurrection, therefore do you believe that you have been justified before our holy God? Therefore you will go and what? Declare the resurrection. If you believe, you've been justified. You see, what did Nelson Mandela do the day he was justified? Did he not run out into the streets and talk about his justification, being set free? And you think about all the people who have been uh, declared justified in our court system, set free. Do they not go celebrate? Now you can watch news story after news story. The people that have been in prison for forever, they get justified, they're released from prison. Do they not go shout it and proclaim it? And that, that is what we must do. If we experience the resurrection, we must proclaim it. Turn back to Mark chapter 16. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before them, that he'll see them again. There you will see him, just as he told you. I think that's a little jab. Like the, the angel saying, he's been telling you this for the last three years. But he's going to rise again. He told you. And the last point for this sermon is this. After we've discovered the resurrection, we must declare the resurrection. But we always must live in fear of the resurrection. That's not what happens in verse 8. And when they went out, they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment and seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were what? Afraid. You see, that word fear simply means this. We see it in Matthew's gospel. That the women went out and they had exceeded joy. You see, when we read the word fear in this text, we might think that they cowered back, that they hid back, that they that they had just trembling. But the other gospel says they saw the resurrection, they were told to go proclaim the resurrection, and then they lived with fear of the resurrection. Or they living in fear of. They were living in fear, which means the word awe of the resurrection. They were awe struck. Which means they simply worshiped the resurrection. And I would beg and plead with you this morning. Do you live with healthy fear of the resurrection? Do you see, think of it this way. The God of the universe, the God of the universe who put everything into motion, and at his one voice, everything went into being. And at his one voice, everything continues to go on. If you think about that God for a moment, That God in any moment, because of our sin, could crush us like an ant. At any moment, he could crush us. But because of the resurrection and us being justified, he what he loves us. Amen. And if I get my head and I wrap my heart around the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, you know that means because of the holy God, then I will live in true fear of God. But I will also remember that God loves me so much that he sent his only begotten son for me. 
And then I will live my life in awe of that. And I will fear God to the day I die. But my fear will not be in trepidation. My fear will be laying prostrate before the Lord God Almighty, singing as Isaiah says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. That's the worship that these ladies are about. Because I beg you this question. Have you discovered the resurrection for yourself? Have you had an encounter with Christ Jesus that's changed your life forever? And I don't just mean your eternal life. I don't mean where you're going to go. I mean today. Is your life different because of your encounter with holy God? And are you now declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who is, and was, and will forever be? And then you, and do I live my life in all of the power of God? You see, we see those three words. He is risen. Jesus did not rise from the dead himself, people. It was the God of the universe. This just the way that Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. That the God, the Father of the universe, called Jesus out of the tomb. You see, you got to remember, Jesus didn't need the tomb, the, 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 the stone to be rolled away, did he? He could just walk right through the stone. You can see that in a few moments. That probably walked through a solid door. I don't think it's a little stone that would have been a problem. But God, because of his infinite wisdom, rolled away the stone, called out Jesus to himself. You believe that? I want to end the sermon with this. This is what one writer says. This is what Jesus is saying. He says it this way. Do you believe these words this morning? I am your forgiveness. I am the Passover of your salvation. I am the Lamb which was crucified and sacrificed for you. I am your ransom. I am your light. I am your Savior. I am your resurrection. I am your King, and I am leading you to the heights of heaven. And I will show you the eternal Father, and I will rise you up from the right to his right hand. You see, it's because of his resurrection that you and I will ever have resurrection. You see, this morning we're going to come and I'll ask the deacons to come and prepare the Lord's table for each of us. You see, the Lord's table is a, a, a fullness of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus said in the night he was portrayed, do this in remembrance of me. What did he do? He broke his body and he shed his blood for us, that we would have life and life to the full. And yet then on the third day he rose again, we remember Christ Jesus' body this morning. But I ask you these three questions one last time. Have you discovered the resurrection? Are you declaring the resurrection to a lost and dying world? And are you living your life in all of the resurrection? Let us pray. As I'm going to be in Jesus, we call humble to you this morning. That you willingly sacrifice your body on my behalf, on behalf of the people in this room.
so that we would not have to. Yet we don't serve a Savior who lays in a tomb, but we serve a risen King. We herald that to you this morning. You are our King of Kings, you are the Lord of Lords. And God, I pray for anyone here this morning that does not know you in that way. That this morning would be the morning that you would draw them to yourselves, that you would call them to yourselves and they would respond to you. God, I pray that we each discover the resurrection, declare the resurrection, and live in all the power of the resurrection. You are our life. You are our forgiveness. You are our salvation. You are our sacrifice, our ransom, our life, and you are our holy king. We praise you this morning. We praise you for the resurrection.